Hi, welcome to Piloting. I'm Melissa. And I'm Renee. And we're your hosts. Piloting is a podcast for people who refuse to live on autopilot, where we celebrate risk takers, go-getters, and anyone craving a change. And boy, am I craving a change this week. How about you? (laughs) I I feel like that was a loaded statement. I... (laughs) I'm always <laughs> no, it was good, good. I'm always open to change. I, I think I saw a quote like while I was just flipping around again, I mentioned Instagram always recommends the best um like threads to me. And it said mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. is inevitable, but progress is optional. And I liked Ooh. that. Like I'm always open to change, but I, I want that to be positive progress change and not will my life's turned yeah. upside down change. <laughs> so yeah I'm ready for a change too my change was more so in the current employment status that I have that was the point I was making ah okay I would like to go from unemployed to employed what you're so that was that was it I'm yeah I'm doing the work making some progress doing some connections all up on LinkedIn um I mean, it is refreshing to know that there are jobs out there that are actually relevant and do sound interesting to me. So that's the the great side of it of like, oh, okay, people are hiring. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Especially as every day I log on LinkedIn, it's just like another layoff. Yeah. Like the news is not looking there. great for journalists and just for companies. Yeah. Every couple of years, it feels like there's like a season where everyone is like the job security feels uneasy. So mm-hmm. got to keep us on our toes, I guess. But I know my heart goes out to everyone who's lost a job and is now scrambling to figure out how am I going to manage all of my responsibilities without I that know. paycheck that I was relying on. Yeah. It's rough. From, from the last time we did our layoff episode, which feels like ages ago, um, to now, uh, yeah, sorry, guys. The market hasn't really changed all that much. It might have actually swayed in the other direction. <laughs> However, I just feel like there's a lot of people out there who are, like, really supportive. And I think my LinkedIn algorithm is really serving me up some, like, good, optimistic, type of pose from um, like talent teams or recruiters just like giving you really free resources and tips on what to do after a layoff and you know how to recharge uh, what AI tools to use what ones do you not invest in which ones do you invest in Um, and so yeah there's a whole community of people still out there and so I'm still optimistic as you should be I think whenever the my fingers I think whenever the pendulum swings one way it's going to swing back. It's just that suspended period where you're waiting for it to swing back mm-hmm. in your favor just is never comfortable. But yeah, I'm glad you have a good community and that your algorithm's working for you. Yeah, LinkedIn. I know like not a lot of people are as active on LinkedIn as other tools. And I know I'm going to be honest, most of the time when I am on LinkedIn is either if I'm looking for a new job or if I'm looking to hire somebody, right? If I'm like working at a company or doing some consumer research, it's not like when I log in to every single day when I'm working 
on my, you know, my, my job or whatever. Um, but I haven't been burned out from LinkedIn yet. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Well, you don't know. Don't manifest that. You might not. You might find a good <laughs> rhythm with it. So who knows? Uh. For me, it's just hard to find the time to do it with with the other social platforms I'm on and, and my other things. LinkedIn always falls to the bottom, I guess, of my list of things to do or websites to check mm-hmm. daily, which I guess kind of transitions into our topic today, which is time management and how to feel like you have a better grasp of the 24 hours you have in the day. And you can spend that time doing both what you need to do, but also what you want to do and not feel overwhelmed Mm. by either. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned the last part about the time to do the things you want to do as well. But I think that's sort of the magic of time management I say this as someone who doesn't have it all together with time management, okay? So please take that with a grain of salt. I'm still figuring out my rhythm of making sure I'm maximizing the time that I have during the day. But in order for us to have that time that we want to do the things that we want to do, we have to figure out a way to optimize our time, make it work for us so that we can focus on that and actually carve out the time. Because I'm sure you experience this. A lot of us experience this where, what the heck, it's 10 p.m. And I got to go to bed? And what happened to my day? I have always been a chronic procrastinator. Like that is definitely a Mm. bad habit that I am putting effort into trying to break this year because that has compounded over a long time. But I think for me, I really, despite always being a bit procrastinator-ish, I really understood how important time management is and having control and taking control, I should say, of that during the pandemic because I felt like time just moved in such weird ways in 2020 mm-hmm. and 2021, that I felt like I had no control of it. There would be weekends where, like you said, you would just look and it was 10 p.m. And I was like, what did I do all day? I don't know. Like time just vanished. I, I couldn't even tell you, oh, I watched all of these great movies on the couch or I spent social distanced time with my friends. Like I just didn't know what I did. It wasn't productive. It wasn't intentionally restful to like, build my like fill my cup back up it was literally just Mm -hmm. wasted time I don't know where it went and you do feel better when you have more control of your time and you can say hey I know what I did with that time even if what I know I did is relaxed at least I had control and I made the choice that I'm spending this day chilling out like I was in Mm -hmm. control of that decision (laughs) and you can actually enjoy it Mm -hmm. when you do you know, when you are in that relaxation mode, you're like, no, like I planned for this. I carved, carved it out. Like I created buffers in order for me to have this half day, this whole day, this whole week, whatever you need of rest so that I can come back swinging stronger. Um, It's interesting. You mentioned procrastination, like you're a chronic procrastinator. Hi, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, my name is Renee and I'm a procrastinator. Welcome, Renee. 
Hi, Renee. Welcome <laughs> to CPA, yeah. Chronic Procrastinators Anonymous. Um, because in this article, and it was mostly around like time management, but um, she started talking about procrastination in this article. And by she, I mean Fuchsia Saroy, who's a professor of social and health psychology at Durham University. And she said, procrastination often has nothing to do with time management. She says, it's about poor mood management. It means the person can't regulate difficult emotions about a particular task. So they put it off. They may be anxious, fear failure, feel frustrated, or they might focus on the outcome and how that's going to affect their future, which only adds more pressure. Or sometimes people are just maxed out. They have too much going on with work and family. In all those scenarios, people are tempted to opt for the quick and easy fix, to delay working on the thing, and that gives them immediate relief. And when I read that, because I associate Attacked. procrastination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank um, you. <laughs> thanks, Fuchsia, yeah. for that <laughs> illuminating uh You're just going philosophy. straight for the jugular, but – yeah, but it's Sorry. yeah. When I think about procrastination, I think about wow, I'm not really managing my time well. Like it, it becomes sh- shameful for myself. Of like, I don't know why I waited until this moment to do it. What was I doing before? Like, what did I spend the rest of my week doing? Why am I reading our book club book two days before our episode recording? Real life example. But when she puts it like that in terms of – and maybe, you know, it does have some stuff to do with time management. But when I look at it as like a mood management thing, like that makes sense to me of like, wow, I really am letting my mood and my feelings sort of dictate and control situations. And in this case, in a not-so-great way of pushing something off or delaying something or – you know, you know what? I don't know if I want to do this job application because that's a lot of thinking and I don't want to write a custom cover letter right now. I kind of want the immediate um, feeling of fun of me finishing this book. <laughs> like I, I need to know what happens. Like I prefer that. I was just going to say that. Um, a, love that you brought up Fuchsia's research. Um, as much as it pained me to hear the truth in it. I am glad that I heard that because I think that's very much me. Because you know one thing I don't procrastinate on? Booking a trip. If I want to go on vacation, I am five second rule. All right, I've got it, guys. I've got my list together. I've started accumulating resources. I am just on it way ahead Mm -hmm. of schedule. If, Like you said, if it's something fun, something I'm looking forward to, or even if it's not fun in that way, but just like you said, something that I know that's going to give me an immediate feeling of, uh, if I'm looking at the coffee table and it's just covered with a bunch of junk, I'll just get up right in that moment and say, let's just take two minutes and just put these things in drawers, like just clean up the space. Like that's going to give me mm-hmm. a feeling that I enjoy. But the chores that I don't enjoy always get procrastinated on, the mm-hmm. work tasks that don't give me any fulfillment and I'm just doing them because I have to do it. Like there is a lot of mood regulation there and kind of, I guess, tying in what Fuchsia's bringing up, what you're bringing up about time management, not just being a logistical thing, but also having a lot to do with the mind. 
I want to give a throwback to our very first book club, um, Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Dr. Nedra mm-hmm. Glover-Tawab, because she talked about that there were, I think, six or seven types of boundaries, and one of them is time boundaries. And she says, time boundaries consist of how you manage your time, how you allow others to use your time, how you deal with favor requests, and how you structure your free time. People with these issues struggle with work-life balance, self-care, and prioritizing their needs. So there is this blend of, you know, we think of time management as it's work, it's super structured and stiff and just what you do in like an operational output sense. But we're hearing from two doctors, like people who are educated that Mm -hmm. in this area, that there's a lot of like mental and emotional play with how we manage time as well. I'm so glad. I cannot believe I didn't even think about Nedra, Dr. Nedra. I want to think about time because yeah, that is a thousand percent a boundary um, that I haven't quite perfected yet. And I think this time management episode is going to be very healing for a lot of us or illuminating for a lot of us. (laughs) And that totally makes sense because one of the quotes I wanted to share from LinkedIn, circling back to LinkedIn. So many circle backs. (laughs) Circling back. These are my corporate speak. Um, This came up on my LinkedIn feed about time management, and this is quoted from Gagan Biani. Time management boils down to just one skill, saying no. (laughs) And so, yeah, a lot of like overlapping Venn diagramming with Nedra's perspective and philosophy on time and and blocking out time. and, And if you allow other people to sort of dictate that and and what I mean by that is if you continuously are saying yes, kind of like that inner people pleaser in us of wanting to show up for other people, if we say yes too often, that's when we get overbooked. That's when we get overwhelmed and we can't say yes to the things we actually need to do. Sometimes it's not even about what we want to do. <laughs> A lot of time management sometimes is we actually need to do this thing. And we keep putting it off because we keep prioritizing other things, whether it comes from an emotional meaning of wanting to prioritize or wanting to keep people happy, which I do sometimes. Um, I'm not as much of a people pleaser. I'm not like a chronic people pleaser. I think I'm perhaps like a recovering people pleaser as I am like a recovering perfectionist, Uh, you know, Hopefully the 30s really like eliminate and diminish that for me. But I like that, this idea of saying no versus saying yes in terms of thinking about how we give people our time. I agree. It's almost like when you hear personal finance experts talk about a budget, it's not about saying no to all the great things that you want to do. It's about how do I say yes to the right things? And sometimes saying yes to not having a stressful night, you know, right before an exam because you've waited to the last minute to study. Like I'm Mm -hmm. saying yes to a peaceful night, which means that I have to do manage my time differently so that I can get some of these things done earlier. And so, yeah, it's just understanding what the right things to say yes to are and, and being firm when you do have to just point blank say no. 
Mm-hmm. That, that is really interesting. What would you say for you are some of the biggest time sucks or mm. <laughs> sources or triggers that just let your time management go out the window? <laughs> Oof. Um, well, seeing as I'm not working full time right now, I definitely do feel that when I was, there were often times where I would choose having to do work outside of the normal working hours and that's okay sometimes but there were a lot of positions that I did have that it overtook my life yeah and that that became like a sinkhole and it made me a horrible person to live with because I was just moody all the time I was so tired I was frustrated I was stressed I was overwhelmed I felt overbooked Um, so that definitely takes up, that can be a sinkhole. I've reined in on things like social. I think I've, I've set better boundaries with my time on social. I mean, I do go on those TikTok like dives sometimes. Um, and I find some like really weird shit on there. (laughs) I just have to know more about. Now we need to know Melissa's Uh, (laughs) search, search, search. Yeah. My TikTok algorithm is all over the place. (laughs) LinkedIn is a little bit more predictable. Um, And I also think I just – I definitely get obsessed with things easily. And like, for example, this new – this series, this fantasy series that both you and I read that we've shared on our currently uh, Court of Thorns and Roses, I just get so swept up into being in this new world and like obsessed that like I have to get it done and I have to complete it right then and there. Um, So with all that said, we just shared our currently, um, I'm on the last book. So book three? (laughs) No, book book five. five. (gasps) I was going to say you were on book book five ages ago. Yay. You're ahead of me now. (laughs) But I think sometimes that those things can be my sinkhole where I just get so swept up and so like obsessed with something that you know, good or bad, like I just want to focus on that. But I love it. Like I've I've had the time to be able to read and so like I'm okay with it. But, you know, one day not le- obviously letting get in the way of like a job. Um, but yeah, those can be my sinkholes where I, I just get so – like I basically it's like falling in love with something. Like I fall in love with things and like I just – get romanticized and I just want to like spend my time with them I I'm similar to you I I can have an obsessive like fangirl personality about certain Mm -hmm. things that I like where if it's like a book series or like a tv thing that I'm really into I then want to go online and see what other people are saying about it what's other info like I just like you said yeah I've been on reddit threads fully immersed I'm like I need to know what are the fan theories What's everyone else saying? What 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 are we doing? But like, what, what are people recommending next? What's the connection? So I I get that. I think for me sometimes, sometimes like watching things can be a sinkhole. I I have I usually have good boundaries there, but I can like wake up in the morning and say, okay, let me just look at my phone for a couple of minutes before I hop out of bed, and forty five minutes have passed. Or I'll put on like my TV or something just while I'm doing household chores and then I'll just say let me finish this video and like sit down in front of it 
and then mm-hmm. three hours pass. So sometimes that's one. I think a big one for me, though, like you mentioned, the overwork at your job when you're doing a lot of things. I think if I'm really stressed out in my professional life or just, you know, stressed in general, I'm a big, I can get into a revenge bedtime procrastination. Oh, going back again to time and emotions, which I'd never heard that term until the pandemic. And that was definitely me. Like, which basically it just compounds your bad behavior on top of it. So if you've never heard of revenge bedtime procrastination, if you feel out of control of your day because you're just like working a ton or you're doing a lot of things that you don't like, even if the hours are fine, it's just not giving you the joy or, you know, whatever it is you're looking for. You will then to get revenge on, oh, I lost eight or 12 hours of my day doing stuff I didn't want to do. Let me stay up till two in the morning, reclaiming that time, doing Mm -hmm. something that I will enjoy. And it's, it seems good in the moment because it feels like you're fighting back, but then I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm also never, I'm rarely using that time to do something productive. Like, oh, let me invest in this side business. You know, sometimes I am, but a lot of times it's not. It's like, I'm a rebel without a cause. I'm just out here, like, saying, like, throwing the finger up to, like, nobody. <laughs> just myself. And like, that will take time in a way that's not productive for me. I, okay, I go back and forth with wanting to do those things and excusing myself from doing those things, too. Because sometimes I just feel like we need it. You know, like as much as I love and need routine and like boundaries with my time, there are days where I'm just like, I get why people do the bed rot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I emphasize. Like, you know, and I'm like, sometimes in some days, we need those. Now, when I think they're compounded over doing it like, every night after work and just like signing off and that that's all you do um and then it becomes like a pattern and that becomes like a habit then it becomes an issue but I do think having those better rot days are totally okay and maybe there's like a way to almost like schedule them like once a quarter you kind of have like those mental health days like once a quarter Mm. I'm gonna have a bed rot day where you know what one weekend I've totally blocked off in, you know, between each season. And that's like my weekend. No responsibilities, no obligations, no appointments. That's just like me, my sweats, my sweets, my bed, <laughs> and my dog. <laughs> I like that lineup. That's a, that's a solid roster you have there. Yeah. <laughs> my sweats, my sweets, my dog. <laughs> All I really need in this life to survive. Um, And I think if you have that, if you have that, then, you know, and you're not doing it constantly, which I know that we all have before, um, it, it becomes less shameful. You know what I mean? Like it becomes, I, that I feel like actually becomes productive because then you're intentionally, you're creating that space to recharge, regroup. And then from there. And go back to the regularly scheduled programming. Well, I think I think you mentioned a big word. It's intentional. I think intentionally carving out that time mm-hmm. once a quarter, 
once a month, you know, whatever that frequency looks like to you, maybe not every day. I don't want to tell you how to live your life, but that (laughs) seems not right. (laughs) Well, not not right, but you might want (laughs) to give yourself a little more windows in between that. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I I think for me, I've been telling people, I think I've mentioned on this podcast, I'm reading Ed Milet's The Power of One book. And in thinking about managing time, he mentions five principles of time management that I'm going to share here because mm. I think they're really interesting. The five principles of time management, add more days to your day is number one. Two, approach time with a greater sense of urgency. Three, learn to control your time instead of time controlling you. Four, measure your performance often. And five, focus on the future. And I want to dig into the first two principles, which are add more days to your day and approach time with a greater sense of urgency. So his approach to time management here, he's not writing a book about bed rot. He's writing a book about getting more like things done and whatever those things look like to you, better interpersonal relationships, better business, better love life, whatever. Um, And He has a philosophy or an approach to adding more days to your day where instead of looking at a day as a one 24-hour chunk of time, because he understands we're human, we're going to procrastinate, we're going to put things off. 24 hours seems like a long stretch of time to do a bunch of things. He divides his day into three mini days, like three eight-hour chunks. Hmm. And so that way he's like, people were good under a deadline. (laughs) You're going to feel great if there's that urgency of instead of I have all day to do the laundry, my first eight hour chunk could be, I don't know, 6am to 2pm. So it's like, I have to do the laundry before 2pm. Like that's what I have to get done today. And then I have this next chunk from two to 10 or, you know, you figure out what those eight hour windows look like for you. But by creating these smaller buckets of time, you get more things done. Like in his words, he's like, I get three days worth of work done in a single day because I put myself under positive pressure. You know, it's like it mm-hmm. creates that sense of urgency. And I think for someone like me who can be a procrastinator, like I've said, it's something I want to try. He doesn't really talk much about the fact that one of those days is for sleeping. But you need to sleep eight hours. But I've definitely had some 24-hour days where all I did was sleep. So and like do nothing. So, so maybe at least if, if I like divide the day into three, then I'll at least have two days worth of stuff, even on my lazy days, instead of pushing mm-hmm. everything to the next 24-hour chunk. So I just wanted to share those principles because I think there might yeah. be something in there for the procrastinators among us that we can try and see if if that makes a difference. I've never thought of it like that. I like, I mean, this is kind of similar. No, not kind of. It is similar to how we talked about goal setting and New Year's resolutions and like chunking, (laughs) not a great word, but instead of saying you're going to, you know, January 1st, all of these things have to be in place, you know, breaking up the year into like, the quadrants like the seasons and then setting your goals against those and maybe it just does something in our brain where we're able to like attribute it, it, I, it makes sense to me like thinking of something within 24 hours seems more vast and a lot of things could go differently in 24 hours than 
chunking it and breaking it off into an eight hour um, kind of reminds me of how, of how people are like, this is my five to nine before my nine to five, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I need to do that. Like I like seeing my day sort of split up like that. Um, and I am someone who does well. I wouldn't say I'm like deadline driven per se. I'll meet the deadline mostly. I'll meet the deadline professionally. Personally speaking, I definitely let deadlines slip. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but Safe the space. things that have – Yeah. <laughs> Safe space, the your mom, that- your sisters. <laughs> there with you. Guys. I'm not perfect. <laughs> Surprise. Um, one thing that I think has helped me with some of my time management is I do really well with timers. And – like literally just like a timer you can have on your phone. You can download an app where there's like a prettier timer that you can have. And I also do really well, I've noticed, with the Pomodoro technique. I was going to ask um, if you're a Pomodoro girl, if you like timers. I, yeah. i not saying I do this with everything and, you know, I'm obviously like not stringent on it. But so what the Pomodoro technique is – is let's say you are working on writing your dissertation and um, that takes like a lot of focus. That takes a lot of like time. Like you have to sort of like chunk up your time to work on it. So that's step one, picking a task. I'm writing a dissertation. Then you set a 25 minute timer. You work on that task until your 25 minutes is up. Then you take a five minute break. You can do whatever with those five minutes, walk around, pet your dog, cuddle with them, go to the bathroom, get water, whatever. And then that is considered one Pomodoro. So you do that four times. And then once you do those four Pomodoros, you take a longer break for about like 15 to 30 minutes. And so what this does, it just allows you, I don't know, it just keeps you like on your toes and keeps you active. And then that way... You're allowing yourself to like take a break from your task, go do something, and then be able to like reset, refresh, and work on it again. And that has worked well for me. There are times that I will say during like any sort of time I'm doing Pomodoro where I'm like, man, I need more than 25 minutes. Um, And so, hey, be flexible with yourself. Like if 25 minutes seems too short of a period of time – bump it up to 30, bump it up to 45, like whatever you need. But I think just like that con- that consistency of like tracking your time towards a task, taking a break um, has worked wonders. And I use, they, they have apps for Pomodoro. So I use an app. Um, the name is f- escaping me, but I think it's like Pomo Focus or Focus Pomo, something like that. I'll share it in the notes and or find it quickly. Um, but there's also like timers that you can buy that sit on your desk and you flip it like every time, like you're done. So you, 25 minutes is up, you flip it. Oh, like a, it shows five minute break. Like with like the ones with sand in them, like those old school. Um, and it's like, it looks like a cube. Oh. I've never bought, oh. I've never bought one, but I've seen them, mm. seen them on the TikTok girlies. Um, but the app I use is called – it is called Focus Pomo. Mm. And it's like these cute little tomatoes oh, yeah. that show up. Because Pomodoro yeah. got its name because that's 
pomodoros to tomato in Italian. Yes. So that little tomatoes will like pop up after you do like a pomodoro, you get like a pomodoro, you get the tomato. Um, But that technique has worked the best for me. And I think I just, I don't know, I do really well with timers. That's good. And and it sort of feels like a game. And I do like games, cozy gamer girl. And so I do that with like most things. If I just need some structured time to get something done. So like you mentioned about like, oh, clearing a drawer or organizing something, I'll put like a timer on from like, okay, I'm going to give myself 30 minutes to clean this room. And whatever I can accomplish in 30 minutes, I'm going to feel accomplished because I, you know, whatever. I, I, I did it in the 30 minutes. And I'll set the timer, do something for 30 minutes. And lo and behold, it gets done. (laughs) Yeah, I know a lot of people who really enjoy the Pomodoro technique and who work Mm -hmm. really well with timers as well. I think for me, what works really well is I, the Pomodoro technique, like you mentioned, it's it's 25 minutes is a little short for me. I, Mm -hmm. maybe it's like my obsessive personality, but I like to just really dive into whatever I'm doing and just give myself like a couple hours where I'm just deep work. Deep work. Yeah. Deep work, deep mm-hmm. focus. The REM of productivity is where I like to sit. And so what I'll do for time management is I'll limit distractions. So all of the focus modes on your phone, which if on your iPhone, which if you didn't know, in addition to the basic ones they give you, you can create your own custom modes for different things that say only these people can text me or only these apps are allowed to interrupt me or definitely nothing from these apps. So it like limits my distractions. And I generally just try to limit any kind of overstimulation. So I will put like a, like a song on with no lyrics or like just a very gentle song on repeat for hours just so that it feels like background white noise and I get into flow state and that's where I am able to get stuff flow done. Flow state. I like that. Yeah. It's like I'm not thinking, I'm not like being disrupted because one of my time management mm-hmm. things too is that if someone's like, hey, can I bug you for this? Hey, can I get this? Hey, a text message is coming in and I feel this urgency to respond to something that's not urgent. Like the group chat, like it's okay if you jump in after an hour when you're taking a break. Like you don't have to be the first one to get a joke in. Um, And it's fine if you don't have anything going on that day and you are. Like I love just kind of like chit-chatting with my friends all day, but I also appreciate and have learned that if I need to get things done, like like limiting that extra stimuli, distractions, interruptions helps me get a lot done in a short period of time. Um, Lo-fi. Uh, lo-fi music. Mm-hmm. There's like every single playlist you could find on Apple and Spotify. I love lo-fi. Um, and that's what Frank listens to when I leave him in the crate or leave him at home. I put on like hip-hop lo-fi. Oh, <laughs> That his <laughs> brain like waves in a good vibe. <laughs> yeah. And these people like create animations like on YouTube and we'll have playlists on there. So I'll drop some in the show notes. People are interested. But I – agree with you with having that like deep work focus I know this is not the reality for a lot of people (laughs) but if you can like carving out and blocking that time literally on your calendar for that deep work like I mean even 
two hours is nice. Like, you know, in the middle af- in the middle of afternoon, after lunch, when people are kind of all over the place or doing pickups, um, you know, or in the morning, like eight to 10, if you don't typically have meetings during that time, carving that out, like this is my like deep work and carving that out, I think is helpful. Um, and something I've eliminated and then have put into my work practice for time management is monotasking. Yes. Versus oh, thank you for bringing multitasking. That up. I was horrible at multitasking before and no it's it's not cool anymore. It doesn't it doesn't work. And uh, monotasking of course is just being able to focus on the one thing. So instead of working on your dissertation and joining in on the group friend text message and watching a YouTube video on you know, how to do an at-home manicure, you know, one thing. Yeah. (laughs) I think I had really fooled myself into thinking I was great at multitasking. And to be fair, I think I am good at it. I think most of us are capable of doing it. But I think when you do experiment with the monotasking, you realize, oh, I thought I was really good because I was getting this task done in an hour. But now that I'm limiting those other things I was switching back and forth between, I actually am getting it done in 30 to 40 minutes. Um, And I think there are studies, I don't have them in front of me, that talk about how when you shift focus from one topic to another, your brain actually takes like a couple minutes before it can really settle back into the task. Mm. So there is, like you can actually quantify the time that says, oh, I switched back and forth between this, you know, fun conversation with my coworker about what movies we were seeing this weekend and this deliverable that I'm doing, or I'm talking to my kids while also doing my taxes. And you can actually add up and say, no, my brain took an extra 45 minutes just to kind of manage the back and forth swapping. And you're thinking, oh, no, I'm so great. I did my taxes and I talked to my kids. And it's like, pick one and kind of (laughs) chunk it. Um, I remember, and this is probably one of the last things I'll say about time management. One of the things my dad does in work, which I've learned from him, which I find really nice, is that he will say if he's busy, and he does this in his personal life, because I've never worked with my dad. So like this, I've picked up just (laughs) in how he interacts personally, is that because he wants to give you his full attention, he will just say to you in the moment, can we have this conversation in 20 minutes? Or can you give me five minutes so I can continue focusing on this monotask? And then I can give you my undivided attention instead of the pivoting. It's like, it's better time management for him to get his things done. As someone like me, who quality time is my love language, I feel <laughs> really great when I get someone's undivided attention <laughs> and can give it back to them. So it's it's a fun like technique that doesn't just have to, like we said, be focused on work. It's also, you know, your personal life, which is as not, if not, if not more important in how you manage your time. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, you can just be present for the people around you. Um, and that's all that we really want to be for people and in the moments is being present. Yeah. There's um, this Charles Darwin quote that said, a man who da- a man who dares to waste one hour of time has not discovered the value of life. And that feels a little extreme, but I get what he's saying in that like you Time is so precious, like, let's not waste it and, like, really focus on the things that are important and, like, get all the other stuff done quickly. Yeah. Um, 
a couple of other things that I do, I guess these are like my last thoughts on time management as well. A lot of them you shared, but something that has helped me a lot recently are doing brain dumps. Um, And typically I do them at night. And so it just sort of like as long as the thing in my head gets a home and out of my head, I feel better. And so I could do that just by a notebook, writing it down, or I have like um, I have like a whole template in Notion where I do my brain dump and it literally is anything and everything that I just know I need to do. I'll organize it in the morning and that's like future Melissa's problem, but I'm also like helping future Melissa out. So that I'm doing the work at night <laughs> so that in the morning, all that she has to do, third person talking, but all that she has to do is prioritize those. So, you know, I'll take the things that mm-hmm. I wrote down the night before and I'm like, okay, these are things that I don't need to worry about. These are the three things I absolutely have to get done today. And I will, I have like a completest mentality. I will feel accomplished. Um, And then of course, also, being mindful and intentional about scheduling my breaks, scheduling all the fun stuff that I actually really, really want to do, like finishing and starting books. Um, And then I want to share this article and I'll put it in the show notes, but this was a new term for me. And I think this is what has helped me realize and try to manage my time better. And that's very much like the personality test attributing like what, type of person am I when it comes to time management? And there are time keepers, time optimists, and time benders. I already know which one I am, I think, just based <laughs> on those oh, names. <laughs> I know exactly what I am. So the time keepers are those who do really well with keeping with time. They show up on time to meetings. If not, they're super early. You know, we know those people. We are I not, not those people. Those people. <laughs> I already knew that wasn't me. <laughs> we are not those people. I actually think you and I may teeter between time optimist and time bender. The difference is a time bender pushes things up into the last minute. They sort of like love that like adrenaline rush. Uh, <laughs> um, and then time optimists, they're people who underestimate how long something takes and they also overestimate how much time they have at their disposal. Yeah. So that's me, I think. That's me the majority of the time where it's like, oh, I don't have to be at dinner until 6.30. I got an hour. I think I can get ready and do this uh, do this job application and take Frank out. And there will be no other cars on the road, so I will get <laughs> – yeah. <laughs> no buffer whatsoever. Like, I will get it done. Watch me. That's me. It's been almost a decade in New York, and I'm still on a weekend being like, sorry, I'm running late. Weekend trains. Like, babe, you know the subways do their own thing on the best of days, and even worse on the weekends. And I'm still like, oh, no, Maps said I'll get there in 27 minutes, so I can leave home 25 minutes before, and we'll have no... No friction, no interruptions. <laughs> we're just op- we're just optimists. Yeah. And I heard that term I, – I only heard of time optimist before and I was like, oh, God, that's exactly what I am. Yeah. My whole family, the whole community of Filipinos, not to generalize us. <laughs> just kidding. But we're – a lot of us are time optimists. We're, we run late. It's called Filipino time. Oh, Jamaicans um, are like a fourth category of – 
time deniers where we just deny any time. Like, I think if you're Jamaican, if an event starts at seven, it's rude to show up at seven or seven oh five. Like, that's just Mm -hmm. inappropriate. Like, it's totally normal for people to be trickling in at midnight. Like, unless you're going to like go to the store and buy the ice and like do all the errands you need to do for the party. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> don't show up. Yeah. Jamaican, same thing. Running late. We're on our own time. Like time is a construct. Like we'll just get there when it makes sense. Um, so as someone who's not living in Jamaica and like living in cultures that do not have Caribbean time, yeah. it's yeah. It's I've heard. Yeah. I think a lot of other cultures outside of the U.S. run on different yeah, <laughs> time zones as well, so or time frames. So uh, I'm assuming some listeners may be able to relate to that. Yeah. But yeah. Time optimist, timekeeper, or time bender, mm-hmm. or time denier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. If you're on an, if you're an island person, because I noticed this in Hawaii as well. Oh, yeah. And the Philippines are an island. Island people might get what I'm talking about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or you've seen it in like your friends are on vacation and you forget that some people don't just do this on vacation, but that is their 24-7 lived experience. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's sometimes why I teeter around providing myself structure, but also giving myself flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as like, think I'm be- I think important for myself an important reminder of like being respectful of other people's time. You know, especially in, like, professional settings, please. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. that's, like, a big, like, asterisk. Um, but also, yeah, it, it, doing that in a way so that you can get the things done that you want to do. And I don't know, maybe 2024 is the year of time management. <laughs> I think so. I think for – if you're getting ready to pilot anything, I think whether that's mm-hmm. piloting having a baby or – moving to a new job, you you know what it that you are gonna need to find extra time in the day. And it's there. It's I don't think anyone has a different set of 24 hours than you do. I think some people are just better at managing it amidst whatever, mm. you know, responsibilities and things that they have, as we all do. So yeah, just learning those skills is forever on the the resolutions <laughs> list. But you're right, 2024 I think is the year. Let's let's be positive. Let's be op- time optimists about it. We're gonna we're making moves this year. <laughs> well, I think the goal is to be timekeepers. Um, oh. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so I, that message went entirely over my head. Clearly, <laughs> they're optimistic about calling us time optimists. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, <laughs> second time's a charm. <laughs> I'll share the article. Yeah, just read read from the experts, please. <laughs> um, please. <laughs> switching gears, I guess. Melissa, what's your gold star this week? I think you're going to love this one. Uh, this mm. is definitely I love all of your under, gold stars. Like, a Renee column. Um, loops, which <gasps> is a – Yes, okay. I've heard face, of it, but I've never used mask, it. eye mask company. Um, so – they do face masks. They do also do like eye masks, under the eye masks. And I used one this morning and it was my first time. I can't believe <laughs> my first time using it and they're already my gold star. But it was because I had such a great experience. And Renee oh. loves face masks. 
I have started to use them a lot more in my like self-care routine. And even though they are like a US based company, all of the face masks are made in Korea. Not surprised. Listen, South Korea is the home of the beauty products. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And even on their website, they say, you know, made in Korea, like the home of the home of the face mask or the home of the mask or something. So they know they know what's up. Um, And I love it because the mask actually comes in like two pieces. So you're able to like fix it on your face like more comfortably and it has a, a textured bottom, so it it sort of like grips and stays on your face, so you don't have to like lay there while it's oh. you know sort of like you know mm-hmm. doing so doing it its work. Slide off. It, you can actually like walk around with it, and it's just like a really nice texture. I felt immediate results of just like wow, like my face does feel bright, and I I you know I feel like I you know I can. It looks tighter and it looks like healthy and hydrated. So Loops is my gold star. Oh, I'm glad that they made such a great first impression. I I get targeted by all their ads and I've always wanted to try them. So love that endorsement. They're not badly priced. I think they're probably between five to six dollars a mask, which I think is a lot. But, you know, it's to me, it's worth it. And you can get them at Target. They're at Target. They're, I'm sure they're on Amazon. They're on like all the all the places. They're accessible. You don't have to find that one shop in New York City to find your Korean mask. Good. Yeah. Not everyone is like running to their local K-Town <laughs> if they even have one. Oh, like H-Mart or something. Yeah. My gold star this week is a series, um, like a magazine series. It's in New York Magazine's The Cut, and it's their How I Get It Done series. I love it. So it's a series where successful women talk about managing their careers and their lives. And I am just someone who loves to know how other people live. (laughs) Like I'm so nosy. I want to know what does your morning routine look like? What do you eat in a day? Like I gobble up all of those videos. What's in your bag? Like I just want to know what people are doing. I love what's in your bag. Um, And so how I get it done is great because it has all these fascinating, amazing women who are super successful. Some of them I knew before the column and some I just discover and I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't know you, but you're so impressive. And it kind of talks about their morning routines and how they structure and get all of this stuff done in the day. And what I like about it is that it really is a balance of career and life. Um, Like I think this weekend I was reading, they had Joanna Goddard from, if anyone is a reader of Cup of Joe, her blog and newsletter. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't know her full name. Okay, that's her. Yeah, she did it. Um, And hers was great. I mean, they're all wonderful. And it just talks about this is what my workday looks like running a blog. This is how I fit in, like drop off with my kids, managing, you know, she's recently divorced. So managing the shift to being a single primary caregiver now and all of these different things. And I think it's in the context, especially of our podcast, it's really interesting to get a peek into, hmm, is being the editor-in-chief of a magazine as sexy as I think it is? Do I really want to be a professional athlete? Like you get just to get a slice of people's lives and like try it on for a little bit and be like, ooh, that sounds glamorous or, oh, wow, she has to get up that early. Like let's like pull back the veil a little bit. So if you're nosy like Mm -hmm. me, um, the cuts, how I get it done, 
they're just great little like bite-sized, you know, news or not even news, just like good reporting to listen to how people live. I like that a lot. I think I'd like that series. <laughs> yeah. Then they're a million. Like I think they do it like once a week or something. So it's always, mm-hmm. there's always a Dang. new interesting woman that they're talking to. Oh, well maybe our goal is to be one of those women that they feature oh. in an interview one day. Yes. Want that. How do you get it done? How do you have a successful podcast and business and family and all And what's in your bag? <laughs> Like, I'll tell you everything. I'm like, girl, tell me. I will show you my bag. Yeah. I'm so proud of what I've curated in this bag for this segment. I'm finally asked. We'll be taking out the old receipt, so that's not a part of the story. And just make sure she's a little more curated, to your point. I love what's in your bag, seriously. Yeah, I, I just want to know what people are doing. But yeah, that's my gold star. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, What are you manifesting this week? Um, my manifestation this week is a quote from Eckhart Tolle. I think it's how you pronounce his last name. Um, famous writer, um, Oprah and all of those big spiritual business people read Eckhart's work. And it's this quote that reads, acknowledging the good that you already have in your life is the foundation for all abundance. And I just like that it marries abundance and wanting more things with a sense of gratitude and acknowledgement for what you already have. So I like that. Thanks, Eckhart. Good energy. Yeah. What's your manifestation this week? Um, okay. So mine comes from Tracy Ellis Ross. Ooh. You don't know who she is. She's in Blackish, Girlfriends. Um, she also I didn't I did not know this piece. She owns Pattern Beauty. I knew that. And um, I, had a, I had an assumption that you knew about Pattern Beauty, <laughs> but you may have seen their products in like Ulta. Like I think that's the first time I saw it in like Sephora and they're for like curly hair. Yeah. And so I don't have curly hair, so it's not for me, but it's for so many other people in this world. <laughs> so it's okay. But her quote, and I think this is pretty old in terms of when she said it and when it was shared, but it's new to me. And it's, I am learning every day to allow the space between where I am and where I want to be to inspire me and not terrify me. Ah. Yeah. And so when I read that and I saw it on TikTok on one of my deep dives, um, someone shared this quote and was talking about this idea between something inspiring you Versus it terrifying you, even though our big lofty dreams are terrifying. (laughs) I mean, that's, they are, but how can we sort of flip the script and shape the narrative to make it feel more inspirational and not off-putting, but something that we can accomplish and that we work towards. And so it just gave me another perspective of not letting something overtake me with fear Mm. and Yeah, to not terrify me, but to inspire me. I really love that quote. That's a great one. And I like Tracy Ellis Ross. She is someone who has great energy. Like her social media, if you don't follow her, she just feels like someone who looks like she's really enjoying her life. And who doesn't want that? She just looks like she's happy and content at the same time. And she, yeah, someone who shares her light. 
mm-hmm. and looks good doing it. Yeah, her fashion. You know what I mean? Oh, it's like vibrant. Water clothes. <laughs> <laughs> she there's also a quote she talks about how like it's acting and clothes are like the two things that just like brighten her life or something. It's something like that. How lucky that she, lucky that she can spend so much time with both. I know. Goals. Well, that's a great manifestation. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Um, I know you <laughs> My have something. My pleasure. Can't take credit. Yeah. You had something else you wanted to share with our listeners before we sign off? I do. So this is a friendly reminder. Um, we're coming up to the time of the podcast month where we do our book club. And so our next book club um, episode will be on Valentine's Day, Aww. Wednesday, February 14th. Um, and we're going to be reading Ikigai, The Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life. Um, and this is by authors Hector Garcia and Francis Morales. Um, I'm personally really, really excited about this one. I've heard about Ikigai anytime like you talk about personal development, finding your purpose. And so I'm like ready to figure out like what a what it is and like what's mine. <laughs> You know yes. what I mean? I'm super excited too. I heard the term for the first time in the book, The Blue Zones, or for those on Netflix, How to Lift 100, yeah. but, you know, didn't do a deep dive. So I'm really excited for this too. It's it's what we're all about, purpose and fulfillment. That's the vibe. We're going to find our why and what. I know. In Japan. <laughs> That's very on brand. Yes. <laughs> Can't wait to go there. That's probably like my number. I mean, there's a lot of places that are my number one, but like Japan is probably one of like my dream places to visit. Like I cannot wait to go. I'm just afraid. I feel like I'll go and then I won't want to come come back. back. Yeah. I'll be like, see ya. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What's this life? They got it right over here. Yeah. Hang out and go hang out in Okinawa for the rest of my life. Right. (laughs) Good knowing you. Come visit in the cherry blossom season. <laughs> um, maybe one day we'll host like a piloting trip to Japan. Uh, I'm going to manifest that. I love Get that. Get a like group trip. I'll put and that I'll in my brain my dump. Notes. My brain dumps are not as organized as yours. Mine are just like post-its <laughs> that I stick on the wall next to where I work. No, it's giving – I know, but it's giving a beautiful mind. Like, it's just like, here are my fe- – I, I don't have the string, but it is like, here are my post-its with random words. Um, but anyways, <laughs> on that beautiful <laughs> note. <laughs> you can't have calm without chaos. So, yeah. yeah that is the balance we bring to this podcast. <laughs> Melissa has a calm, organized method. Uh, I mean, I'm a Virgo and all, but like, let's not get crazy here. Fair. Yeah, fair. But again, I guess my version of chaos may be different than what others call chaos. But yeah. Anyway, thank you all for being here. Really excited uh, for Ikigai. And if you read along, let us know. Join the book club. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Bye.